Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. morning it is it's friday i think it's friday friday the 21st of april 2023 i'm carmen laburge i am looking out a window at a at an extraordinary scene for me on the 21st of april um and that is um, a scene totally blanketed with fresh snow and snow blowing in the wind and so if you're in Fargo, uh, Moorhead this morning, look out your window because you and I would be looking out the same window. So uh, I'm excited to be broadcasting this morning from one of our wonderful uh, ministry affiliate stations in Fargo, North Dakota, Life 97.9. And so if you live in the Fargo, Moorhead area and are blessed by this ministry, um, just want to you know let you know, hey, I'm in your neighborhood today. I know. Pretty fun. Pretty fun. Um, we're going to consider the Word of God right now. You're growing, our growing your faith verse of the day comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Listen to the Word of God. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. Consider God. Like that's the that's the first invitation here of the Apostle Paul. Consider God. And then consider God's love. And then consider God's love for you. When you just start this conversation by considering God, that is mammoth and universal and beyond the scope of the human mind. Consider God. Who is this? When you consider the snowflake or you consider the expanse of the universe, consider God. And then consider God's love. That too is bigger than the human mind can wrap itself around, um, and yet it is that which envelops everything. Consider God's love. Consider the love of God today. And then, don't just bring it all home. Bring it all to the most intimate and personal level possible. Consider God's love for you. That's where we find ourselves in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Yes, we're going to consider God, and we're going to consider the God who is love and God's love, but then we're going to bring it all the way home to the human heart to my life, and to your life. God rescued sinners from the power and the control and dominion of darkness, Paul says. And then Paul brings it home. And he says, that's what he did for us. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. God rescued me and God rescued you, sinners, from the power and the control and dominion of darkness. And God transferred sinners, me and you, 
from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his own son, Jesus Christ. God's love is made evident in this while we were still sinners. Jesus Christ died for us. It's his kingdom. It's his glory. But we get transferred into it because God loves us. God just didn't set everyone free from the power of sin and death. God set you free. God set me free. God doesn't just forgive sin in, you know, as this big universal category of reality. God forgives your sin. God forgives my sin. God forgives us. God doesn't just rescue, you know, everybody. This is not universal salvation. God rescues individual people. You and me. God is love, yes. And God loves, yes. But God loves personally and God loves intimately. God loves you and God loves me. Let God flood your life today, your world, your reality with the light of the goodness of the gospel, with the light of love made flesh, with Jesus himself. Consider the love of God today in Jesus Christ. Consider what great love the Father has for us. In the midst of whatever you're facing today and in the face of everything you're facing today, consider God. That one shift in thinking and that one shift in living, the reality of being loved by the God who is, that changes everything. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. You got me singing like amen. All right, yes, greetings to all of you who are checking in uh, in uh, in the Fargo area. Yes, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, thank you so much. It. I am. I just want to say this. I am particularly grateful this morning for the guys driving the snow plows. I, I, I would love to know your names, but I also know you can't text and drive, and you are out there. I saw you out there last night. Uh, I saw you out there this morning. I've been following you around. Uh, and so, yes, for those of you... Wondering, why is that one person going so slow and driving behind the snowplow? Because I feel like that's a very safe place to be on the roads today. So, um, yeah, loving uh, loving the hospitality of the people of Fargo. So thank you so very much. Hey, we're going to spend a few minutes here together, just you and me. Uh, I have a few stories to share with you this morning that I didn't want you to miss out on. You know we've been celebrating the life and legacy and ministry of our partner in ministry, Charles Stanley. Faith Radio has been broadcasting in touch with Charles Stanley for many, many years, and so we want to celebrate his life and legacy as he has gone to be with the Lord. And you will um, you will hear lots and lots of testimonies. You may have a testimony of your own about how something that Charles Stanley has said over years remains with you. Well, it won't surprise you that his children and his grandchildren are rising up to call him blessed in many, many ways. And so Andy Stanley may be the most well-known of Charles Stanley's children. Andy Stanley's also a pastor uh, in the greater Atlanta region, but also, you know, speaks to people globally. And so he posted a testimony about his dad um, on Twitter, and it was it was about the, you know, the the final occasion that he had to be with his dad. 
And he shares this, that in the final weeks um, that Dr. Charles Stanley would end each one of his visits with his son, Andy, by asking Andy to pray for him. And Andy says, of course I did. I got down on my knees beside the big leather chair um, that my dad was confined to for the past several months. And then he says um, that changed on his last visit. He says that on on Saturday night, um, you know, as they were, you know, as the visit was coming to an end, instead of asking Andy to pray for him, Charles said, you know, son, I want to pray for you. Andy says, it's as if he knew. Um, And he says this, this was his habit. He said he would end our times together by saying, I couldn't be prouder of you, Andy. And Andy Stanley says of that, the source of a word determines its weight. And those were wonderful, weighty words. And his final words to me, I want you to think about the final words of a father to a son. I want you to think about um, the words at their reunion, because that's what Andy then celebrates. He says, I'm going to miss him every day until I see him again. These are two men who share a great love, who share a great assurance, who share a great hope because they share Jesus. And they had the wonderful opportunity to be father and son in this life, but they're going to have an opportunity to be brothers forever and ever in the kingdom of heaven. And to have the assurance that you're going to see your mom or dad again, or you're going to see your son or daughter again, or you're going to see your brother or sister again, because you're both walking with Jesus here and you know, you're going to both be walking with him forever in the kingdom of heaven. That is great assurance. That is great hope. That is great love. But I don't want you to miss the very human exchange that this father and son had at their final meeting. Charles Stanley says to Andy Stanley, I couldn't be more proud of you, or I couldn't be prouder of you, Andy. You may not think of Charles Stanley as um, particularly human because you've heard him and seen him as, um, as such a tower of faith and strength. But when Andy describes his dad as having been confined to a big leather chair for the last several months, and as you see pictures that his family members are going to share, you're going to see a man who, you know, is physically wasting away. But spiritually, he was being renewed day by day. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live. And that's how I want to go out. I want to go out. Um, in prayer, proud of the people who I love best in the world, and for them to know that they are loved by God and that we will walk together one day in the kingdom of heaven. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. Before 
before we um, bring our friend Dan DeWitt on and talk to him in a few minutes, um, I really wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about uh, the upcoming coronation of a king. And you say, oh, I bet she's going to talk about King Charles' coronation. Yep, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. And um, people who are interested in having and participating in some particular way, like, right, you're going to you're going to be hearing and seeing how people are sending gifts that they hope will be used at some point in the coronation of the king. So Pope Francis is in on this. Pope Francis has gifted fragments believed to be from the, quote, true cross on which Jesus was crucified to form part of a new processional cross, which would be used at the coronation of Britain's King Charles next month. The new cross is going to be made from recycled silver along with Welsh slate and reclaimed wood. Um, and uh, it will be, it will lead the coronation procession at Westminster Abbey in London on May the 6th. These two small shards from the quote relic donated by the Pope have been shaped into a cross behind a rose crystal gemstone. So I want to pause and I want to talk about coronation. I want to talk about veneration. I want to talk about relics. And I want to talk about um, what to what we bow down and what we venerate. So what is veneration? Like, what does it mean to venerate someone or some place or something? The veneration of a person there you might think about the way that, um, well, the way that people respond when somebody really famous that they really like, I'm thinking here about a, a sports superstar or maybe a um, uh, a singer of some kind, right? I mean, you know, people who are popular in pop culture, people venerate them. I mean, I want you to think here about raised hands and people swooning in front of a stage, uh, that's veneration. People venerate places as well. I want you to think of the way that people make pilgrimages to certain places or bow down to in certain locations. Um, and it's not just the Holy Land we're talking about. We're talking about tombs, talking about shrines, we're talking about memorials. I want you to think about the way that maybe you know somebody that venerates a particular place because it is the place that someone died and they continue to return there over and over and over and over and over again as if that place provides them a connection to the person do we venerate calvary the place where jesus died do we venerate the cross upon which jesus died or do we venerate jesus that's really the question before us as we consider these shards of the quote-unquote true cross that the Pope has presented for the coronation of a king. We could spend a lot of time talking about the coronation of a king, and we could talk about why the Pope is giving a Christian relic uh, toward the coronation of a man who has said, we're talking about King Charles here, who has said he's really not interested in exalting Christ above others. He really does want uh, England to move in the direction of 
being an all religions place for uh, for the celebration of any and all faiths or no faith at all. So I'm not exactly sure why the Pope thought this was even appropriate, but I'm not here to second guess the Pope. I'm here to talk about the veneration of things and how we end up with these relics. So this actually dates back to around the fourth century when fragments of relics um, believed to be associated with particular saints. So something that somebody thought they could uh, date back to the Apostle Paul or something they thought they could date back to the Apostle Peter, the thing, the shard, the, the cloth, whatever, was venerated. And that little thing, whatever it was, was then sewn into a silken cloth, and if that cloth was placed over any table, then that could become an altar upon which the Eucharist could be shared. That That is sort of the superstitious magic related to uh, this in terms of history. Um, Erasmus talks about it. Augustine talks about it. Uh, moving forward, certainly the Reformers talk about it. Martin Luther talked about it. John Calvin talked about it. Some relics, such as the remnants of the crown of thorns um, or the shroud of Turin, I mean, millions of people make pilgrimages to bow down at these things, including a series of popes. Um, Jesus Christ ascended bodily into heaven. And so when you think about bodily relics, um, when you think about the cup of salvation, when you think about the blood he spilled upon the ground, when you think about the cross upon which he bled and died, when you think about uh, the crown of thorns, which would have been touching his head, when you consider what is called the Shroud of Turin, uh, the, the linens in which he was wrapped, which were obviously found neatly uh, lying to the side, folded up, upon his resurrection, right? We are talking about things that people believe physically touched the physical body of the physical Jesus. But I want you to focus today on the one who died, not the little shards or pieces or even the place or the thing. The cross only matters because of Jesus. Calvary only matters because of Jesus. And he is the king. And ultimately, his coronation is the one that matters. Who is enthroned as the king of heaven? Who is seated right now at the right hand of the Father? Who is coming again as the king of kings and the Lord of lords? To whom and at what name will every knee bow down in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess? One name the name of Jesus. Is he enthroned in your heart today? Have you received him not only as Savior, but enthroned him as Lord? Is Jesus your king? As the world witnesses the coronation of an earthly king, I want us to be asking the more compelling question. Is Jesus enthroned 
as the king of my life? Does he sit on the throne of my heart? Do I bow down and worship him? Do I follow him? Do I do as he commands? And am I leading others in that way? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, next week is our spring fundraiser, and so I'm encouraging you to be praying in anticipation and in advance. Um, Shout out to those of you on the text line this morning. Yes, thank you so much for the welcome to the wintry Northland. Uh, I like it. I like this message uh, on the text line. Remember, you can text me during the show, 877-933-2484. This person says, yes, welcome to the winter wonderland. As much as I hate it, it is beautiful. Yeah, it it is beautiful. Yeah, it's severe, but it's beautiful. Hey, there are three bills coming to a vote this morning in the in the Minnesota Senate. I want to make you aware of them. I want to invite you to be praying um, that the Lord would have His way and His will, um, and that God's people would know how to respond if, in fact, these votes go as right now I would expect them to go, which is going to be in a direction contrary which I perceive as contrary to the will of God. So um, three bills, 23, 63, and 165. I don't expect you to remember those numbers. I expect you to um, recognize that conversion therapy or a ban on so-called conversion therapy would outlaw counseling by Christians um, who believe that heterosexual relationships, one man and one woman, is normative sexual behavior and... uh, And those who would counsel in that direction would find themselves on the wrong side of the law in Minnesota should this bill pass, this uh, Senate Bill number 23. Senate Bill number 63 is the gender-affirming care bill. It seeks to make Minnesota a trans refuge state for those seeking gender-altering surgeries, specifically minors. This bill would give the state of Minnesota the right to um, take custody of any child whose parents do not want them to receive gender-affirming care. Um, And Minnesota would also not honor other states' gender or custody laws in in respect um, to gender-affirming, what's called gender-affirming care bill. The final bill is number 165. It's the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act. It seeks to make Minnesota an abortion sanctuary state for those who are seeking abortion and for doctors and nurses who perform them. Minnesota would not honor the abortion laws or medical reporting laws in other states under this Reproductive Freedom Defense Act. So all of this is coming this morning before the Minnesota Senate. Um, And unless there is some wave of the spirit uh, upon the people who are voting, it is expected that all three of these uh, will pass. And so we're certainly knocking on the door of heaven, but there are also going to be a lot of folks um, knocking on the door Uh, both electronically and in person at the state capitol today. And so we want to be praying for those who are praying and gathering in opposition this morning at the state capitol in Minnesota um, in relationship to these three bills. Um, And 
I want to take a deep breath, and we also want to be um, praying for lawmakers to find the moral courage to do the right thing. That'll be my prayer today. Our friend Dan DeWitt is going to join us next. Uh, you can find what we're going to be talking about at the Theolatte blog at theolatte.com. Um, what's what's going on in terms of your walk with Christ? Are you walking like with Christ, the real Jesus? Or has Jesus been reduced to like something so personal that it's meaningless to call him Jesus in many cases? Do you have a personal Jesus or do you actually know and worship Jesus, the living Christ? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All righty, that's Dan DeWitt's walk-up music. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Carmen. What's crack-a-lacking? I am, uh, I am looking out the window this morning in Fargo, North Dakota, at our affiliate station, Life 97.9, at what I will describe as a severe beauty. <laughs> it's, it's not just snow. It's not. I mean, I know they don't think this is a lot of snow, but for me, any snow is a lot of snow. And you're so, a Nashville girl. I know. And so this morning when I, <laughs> I like, you know, trying to leave my hotel and I don't know about you, but most, well, not most mornings, any morning I get up and I want to go anywhere. It's as though it, you don't have to wait. And, um, my, not only was my vehicle encrusted with or covered with <laughs> snow, it was encrusted in, in, you know, in ice. And I hadn't done what apparently you're supposed to do, which is put your windshield wipers like up at a perpendicular yep. angle to the vehicle. No, I hadn't done that. So they're f- completely frozen, which is fine. <laughs> I think the defrosters and vehicles up here definitely work better and faster than the ones at home because it only well, took like seven to. minutes. Yeah. It only took seven minutes for the defroster to do enough of its work that then, because, you know, I took those seven minutes to like look throughout the vehicle to, I was sure there was an ice scraper in there somewhere. Right. There and wasn't. sure enough, there was, thank God. <laughs> Good. And yeah, and so anyway, I I made it in to the studio in with an appropriate you know cushion of time. But I will that it does get your adrenaline pumping when you're on, you're you know you're on the clock or there's you know tick tock tick tock, and yet your your car's encrusted in ice. Were you revving the gas? Because that does help too. If you kind of oh, it does no, help no, the engine warm the gas. up. Yeah. I, no, no, I was get those RPMs for a flying. I was no, <laughs> revving the gas. No, no. But now that I know that, I'll I'll, I'll put that in the. Uh, all right, I'll put that down. <clears throat> All right, so Dan. Li- living living in Ohio with mm-hmm. snow, not as much as you would have where you are. Um, we don't have a garage, and so we invest in all our vehicles, the keyless starters, and we, mm-hmm. in the winter, leave the heat and defrost on when we turn it off. So in the morning, you hit that button, and it, it it's all ready for you when you walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, clearly other people in the hotel parking lot have this technology. Um, I, I did not. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so um, can I not have my own personal Jesus, Dan? I mean, I feel like you ought to let me have my own personal Jesus. Well, you know, Depeche Mode had a song about that, your own personal Jesus, which was kind of the the singer um, presenting himself as "I'll be your own personal Jesus" as a savior figure to, I would imagine the uh, the recipient at the end of that song, the the person he's uh, hoping to woo with his his romantic romantic invitation. Um, 
Yes, you can have a personal Jesus in the sense that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, which is remarkable to imagine, you know, the creator of the world um, who exists eternally outside of time, space, matter, and energy that, that who was incarnated um, as the son, the son, second person of the Trinity, um, that you can actually have a relationship with him. That's, it's unbelievable. And anyone who is a Christian knows that that's very, very true. <laughs> um, so yes, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but the Wall Street Journal recently carried a story, and it's like so many um, newspapers will do around Easter, and I understand it. And um, even on my own blog, I'm going to have some special things about Easter as you get close to it. But often they'll highlight things that might be controversial or even questions that the journalist might have. So this journalist, Francis X. Rocca, um, looked at the fact that there are many portrayals of Jesus coming from different places in the world. Um, and so he surveys people who want to say, we think Jesus can be a champion for this or that social agenda. Um, we could separate Jesus's love from Jesus's teaching. So yes, Jesus may have said this, but he's loving. And so we're going to emphasize this or that kind of Jesus. And so interestingly, um, the person he quotes the most throughout the article is Dr. Moeller, which I'm thrilled to know that Dr. Albert Moeller is out of the hospital and I'm recovering at home. Um, so the point of the article is to kind of suggest that maybe it's impossible to know the Jesus of, of history. Maybe there isn't such a Jesus. Maybe the Jesus that we could know is our own personal Jesus that we construct on our own. And I think the most helpful response um, comes from the University of Notre Dame. I think of all the people quoted in the article, I found his quote to be really interesting. And I'll just read this little section where they're quoting him. Christian Smith is a sociologist and kind of his fame came a few years back when he published the book that was the largest youth, the largest study on youth religiosity to date. Um, in which he argues that young people in America who claim to be Christians actually hold to another worldview. Um, people might know of him from the term moralistic therapeutic deism, which is a term he coined many years ago. But the article says about this idea of many Jesuses. For Christian Smith, a professor of sociology at Notre Dame, the proliferation of rival ideas of what Jesus stands for undermines the cultural authority of them all. By feeding into the pluralistic subjectivistic, relativistic understanding of religion that prevails in contemporary America. And then they quote him. Christian Smith says, the fact that there's just so many voices says, how can you possibly know or choose? You just pick whatever appeals or doesn't appeal to you. And he goes on to reject that as a kind of postmodern reinterpretation of Jesus. The truth is reality doesn't rearrange itself um, to our whims and fancies. And so Jesus doesn't bow to anyone's opinion of him, but he does reach out to all who are weary and hungry for truth. So if that's the kind of personal Jesus people are looking for, the one of history, the one of the gospels, then they're in luck. Because Jesus, as the author of Hebrews tells us, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is a real person. He has a real personality. He has real attributes. He has a real will. Um, he is really ascended into heaven. He's really seated at the right hand of the Father. He really is coming to judge uh, the living and the dead. He really is co-eternally existent with God the Father and God the Spirit. 
um, it's it's not okay uh, for any one of us to create a Jesus that's not the actual Jesus. None of us wants to be misrepresented. None of us wants to be, I mean, I don't want people being like, you know, oh, well, I have my Carmen, like my version of Carmen. I mean, no, there's Carmen. Like she is a real thing, person, you know, like I have a will and, you know, right. So it's not all good. It's not, it's not certainly not Jesus-y, but I mean, Dan, you don't want to be misrepresented. I don't think Jesus wants to be misrepresented. That's absolutely right. And we don't, you know, we don't have as, as I often run back to C.S. Lewis, and that's just where I spend so much of my teaching and research and writing time. Um, but C.S. Lewis said that he is either a liar, he lied about being God incarnate and the way, the truth, and the life, or he's crazy, a lunatic, um, or he's Lord. But to say that he was just a good man, Jesus didn't give us that option. He didn't set kind of a portfolio of options and we get to choose the one we want from. And the wonderful reality is Jesus is better than anything we could come up with. Um, and that's why, you know, when we try to hijack Jesus for this purpose or that purpose and and rip him out of the context of how the gospels present him or how the historic creeds throughout the history of the church have presented him. I mean, th- this article kind of overlooks the fact that Christians actually have agreed on who Jesus is for a long time. When we try to do that, we think we're going to improve somehow on Jesus. And we just, we just can't. Um, He is far better than we realize. And we do well to uh, pay heed to who he was, who he said he was, um, because in his words, he offers us life itself. Um, Let's take a couple of minutes to talk about uh, C.S. Lewis and the times in which he lived. I'm just going to set this up and then you're not going to take a very brief break and come back to it. We're talking with Dan DeWitt. You can find what we're talking about today at Theolatte.com. Dot com. Um, when we think about C.S. Lewis, I don't, I don't know that we often think about the time and the place in which he lived. Uh, everyone lives in the reality of a political system, a political time. Um, Lewis was not a pacifist. Um, he was an atheist who became a believer. Um, and we're talking about, you know, a place and a time. We're talking about England, and we're talking about um, the time not only of the First World War in which C.S. Lewis served, but the Second World War, uh, during which, you know, he he spoke and taught. Um, and so we're going to have a conversation about C.S. Lewis on faith and politics. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I'm going to be joyful. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm going to be joyful. Continuing our conversation with our friend Dan DeWitt. You can uh, find him at Southwest Baptist University. You can also find him online at Theolatte.com. That's where I am reading from this morning, C.S. Lewis on Mixing Faith and Politics. Dan, read us in here. 
Well, so you mentioned C.S. Lewis as a soldier in the First World War. I have such a hard time saying those two words together. Um, in WW1, and uh, was an atheist, became a believer after that. Um, evil really was God providentially used pain, suffering, and the evils of warfare um, to lead C.S. Lewis to faith. And so Lewis could not find a meaningful explanation for his longing for justice and his um, disdain for evil um, within his atheistic worldview. So oddly enough, evil was one of the tools God used to lead Lewis to faith. But by the Second World War, Lewis was a, a committed Christian. And I I have to pull a contemporary example to kind of share what I think we see going on with Lewis. But I have a friend who, an older friend who served in Vietnam um, and then in retirement started a ministry called Second Mission. And as his name's Norman Coe, um, as he will share, um, his first mission was for the government and his second mission is for the gospel. And so he leads teams, mostly of college students, and my wife and I led a team, and they do English clubs and share the gospel, and they have a number of materials that they've gotten approved through the government to pass out in Vietnam that have gospel messages kind of infused with leadership lessons. Um, C.S. Lewis in the Second War was kind of like second mission. You know, before he served, um, heroically lost one of his closest friends in war, was injured himself. In the second war, he served heroically um, for gospel purposes. And so Lewis is teaching during the day. In the evenings, he's leading the Socratic Club, which was a um, student-led with a faculty sponsor, which Lewis was the faculty sponsor, the student-led movement that would debate Christianity and atheism. And then on the weekends, he's traveling to these um, Air Force bases. He's also taking the train from the safety of Oxford into London, which London is being bombed. And all the while, Lewis is, is, is just wearing himself out for the gospel. And so Lewis's voice became one of the most recognizable on the radio during World War, World War II. It was second only to Winston Churchill. And so um, Churchill, by the way, was not a stranger to Lewis. In fact, after Churchill was reelected in 1951, and this is kind of the point of the, the post, Lewis and politics or faith and politics, um, after Churchill was reelected in 1951, he offered Lewis an honorific position. And the, the honorific title was Commander of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. And um, Lewis responded and politely declined. And his reason for declining was he did not want his Christian message to become overtly political. And I think that that example is informative and for us for all kinds of reasons. But as we head into another presidential, uh, <laughs> another presidential election cycle, um, I think that we can find in Lewis's example a warning and a reminder that we should love our nation, we should love our country, um, but we shouldn't make it look as though the flag and the cross are on level playing field. So it's good and right to love our country, but this love for the Christian cannot be supreme. Only God deserves that level of devotion. Dan, I think that, um, I mean, C.S. Lewis is one of those people in history who most people think of because they have read or watched one particular thing that he has written, but he was like the most recognizable voice on the radio, second only to Winston Churchill for a whole generation of people. Yeah. And I wonder, 
um, today when we think about recognizable voices and we think about who is speaking at the intersection of faith and politics, um, I don't I don't know that we have a giant like that mm-hmm. um, speaking at that intersection today with such a recognizable lilt um, in his voice. And so I just um, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your uh, your contribution to the ongoing conversation, not only with next generation folks, um, you know, at the university level, but with us as well. I just really appreciate Mm. it. So um, Superman, everybody knows Superman. And I know, I I mean, it's not a surprise to me that Superman is a Christ figure, but I'm Mm -hmm. not sure that I had ever given it a whole lot of thought. Um, So if everybody's familiar with Superman and Superman is a Christ figure, then can we use that to help share Jesus? <laughs> yes. And so I, I think that any, I think all of our longings for fictional saviors can be used to say, you know, that kind of longing is real, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we, we are longing for someone who can save us, someone with the kind of power that can overcome all evil. Um, but then embedded in that is if, if there is this kind of super mind, it would have to know everything about us. So it can't just be all powerful. It also has to be all good. And you can see how these longings really end up pointing us to something that's real in all of our hearts, this real longing for a savior. And so related to Superman, um, I, I included a link in the uh, in the Worldview Reader to eight things you probably don't know about Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a History Channel article. And so I mean, for example, when the creators, these Jewish, two Jewish teenagers created Superman, they originally created him evil. And so mm-hmm. the the word Superman, they were playing off of um, Ubermensch, which goes back to a German philosopher, um, Friedrich Nietzsche, um, Nietzsche, however you want to pronounce it, who argued that eventually there will be someone who overcomes traditional morality and is able to um, kind of throw off um traditional morals and have uh, exert their power and influence over the world. And so borrowing from Nietzsche, they created this character who's a mastermind, who's going to, he was an evil scientist who would take over the world. Um, But the other article that's about Superman shows that over time, Superman became um, a, a good guy. And then in the movies was even turned into a Christ figure. And then in the most recent movies that that kind of overtakes that he becomes not only a Christ figure, but becomes um, something even a little more sinister and a dark power. So there's almost like this return back to the original invention. But I think that the point of the article we could walk away from, you know, aside from the interesting, you know, evolution of Superman um, is this deep longing for someone who's powerful enough to save us, but good enough to want to save us. And of course, that points us not to a man who wears a cape and oddly enough, his underwear outside of his tight <laughs> pants, um, but rather <laughs> it leads us back to the fact that there is something outside of time, space, matter, and energy, a God who created it all, who loves us enough that he sent his own son for us. So I do think we could use the superheroes to to point us to the reality that there is someone who can save us. That's so good. It's so good. Um, Dan, this will tell you something about uh, what I have trained or how I have trained my Googler. So as I started typing into my Google search, um, eight things you probably didn't know, mine auto-populated about Jesus. Oh, wow. It didn't populate about Superman. So 
uh, eight things you probably didn't know. Type that into your Google search and see what it auto-populates, what it auto-fills at the end. Mine uh, thought I wanted to know uh, eight things about Jesus. I feel pretty good about that. I feel like I've trained my Googler well. <laughs> Carmen, let it be known on this date, um, <laughs> April 21st, that Carmen has a well-trained Googler. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> of all the things you could remember today. Um, Dan, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. God bless. Blessings upon you. Hey, you guys got to check out uh, Dan's work online at fiolatte.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All righty. Paul Perot is going to host Mornings Without Carmen for hour two today. What? Yeah. I'm not springing it on you. You already know know. this. You already knew this. (laughs) Um, And so um, I can go and serve some of our friends in the Fargo-Moorhead area who are gathering together today. Um, These are people in healthcare and people in mental health care. Um, who uh, are doing some continuing education from a pro-life perspective. And, you know, they need a person to move the thing along throughout the day. So I get to be the the MC, which I found out stands for Master of Ceremonies. I thought MC was an actual word like E-M-C-E-E. It's actually just MC. Will you come be the MC, the Master of Ceremonies? So there you go. I'm going to move things along, and um, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm so excited about what I'm going to learn, and so be praying for me today as I'm doing that. Paul is going to uh, host the uh, the next hour here. He's got a lot of great stuff planned. He's going to have a conversation with our friend Adam Holtz. And then in my absence, they're going to talk about the reclamation of male masculinity. That sounds good. That's almost redundant. Male masculinity. Uh, I don't Just, know. Okay. It's a, it's, it, yeah, yeah, Paul's got a plan. Paul's got a plan. Um, hey, I'll be praying for you today. You be praying for me. Again, um, big shout out and thanksgiving to god for you today oh friday farm report i'm sure everything's fine on my farm i'm not there and up here in the northland yeah they're not farming yet it's still covered with snow all right i have a new um a new heart affection for the people in the northland and how hardy you are and how long you wait for real evidence of resurrection it's it's coming i can bear witness to it i have seen it i have come from a place where spring has sprung to the place where spring is yet to spring forth. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.